Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the Visitor's Edition of The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Today we get to know this week's opponent, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, a bit better. Joining me in just a minute will be beat writer Steve Politti from NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger. Before we get to Steve, here is my view from Section 17 to get us started today. As of this minute, kickoff with Rutgers is still scheduled for 7 p.m. on Saturday night. The Big Ten and the powers that be are watching Hurricane Matthew and will make adjustments to the game's start time if necessary. Matthew is supposed to make landfall today on the east coast of Florida and then hit South Carolina. The National Weather Service said this morning, Thursday morning, if the storm keeps tracking as it is, it should head out to sea after it pounds Florida and the Carolinas. So we'll just have to wait and see how that all develops. On Tuesday's show, John Borton and I talked about this year's Michigan defense and just how good it is. John and I agreed it might be as good as the 97 and the 2006 defenses. We can only say that for sure, though, once the season is over. It is awfully hard to compare great defenses in Michigan history. After the show, I received a message from Andy Canavino reminding me how good the 1980 defense was. For those of you who can't remember that team, they went 26 quarters without giving up a touchdown. Andy was the captain of that great defense. We hope that when the season ends, we'll be able to include the 2016 D on that list of great Michigan defenses. There is a lot of football to be played yet, and they will get their chance to stamp themselves in the history books. At any rate, I'd like to have Andy come on the show sometime soon and talk about that great 1980 D and maybe get his take on this year's unit. Time is running out for those of you who would like to get in early on the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about. It hits the Google and iTunes Play stores in just a few weeks. But for the next few days, you can still sign up and check out the app. For a sneak peek or more information, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget your cell number. It's not only free and fun, but you can also win prizes of all kinds. So check it out in the next few days and sign up. Rutgers football is being, as they say, rebuilt from the ashes. 
That reference in part refers to new head coach Chris Ash, who has his work cut out for him. Beat writer Steve Politti from NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger is with us next on The Michigan Man to tell it like it is when it comes to Rutgers football. Here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. on our visitor segment this week as we get ready for Michigan's first road trip of the season uh, to Rutgers on Saturday night is Steve Politi, who covers Rutgers football for NewJersey.com and the Star-Ledger. Steve, great to have you on the show with us. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Well, last week, Steve, uh, the Scarlet Knights paid a visit to the Horseshoe in Columbus, uh, sort of uh, met the same fate that everyone else who's played Ohio State has this year, took a whooping. Uh, there is not much you can take from that game if you're a Rutgers fan, Steve. It's one you just have to forget about, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, you know, and uh, I think that uh, the Rutgers was uh, encouraged that the week before they they played Iowa and played pretty well and might have even uh, won that game if not for a few mistakes and just a little bit more offense. Uh, but clearly, no, there's no, there's just, uh, they just don't have the talent yet to compete on that level with a program like Ohio State. Uh, Greg Schiano, former Rutgers coach in the uh, defensive quarter now in Columbus, has a, has a defense that I, I, I joke that if he had that defense in Tampa Bay, he'd still be there coaching. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just amazing the amount of talent they have, uh, have there in that program to, you know, to graduate a couple of, a couple of uh, top defensive players to the NBA draft and still, you know, still have that level there. So, no, there was really – uh, really not much to, to gather from that, except that Chris Ash has to keep recruiting. Well, I watched uh, Coach Chris Ash's uh, post-game presser, and I felt sorry for him. There wasn't much he could say after a performance like that, but he has to know he has a big job in front of him, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think I think they're just they're just seeing uh, maybe bigger than they might have thought. Uh, you know, there was uh, a series of, of really subpar recruiting classes under under Kyle Flood, and you know, ranked in the fifties, uh, low sixties nationally. Uh, and then to, to add that in, those recruiting classes suffered a lot of attrition. Half the guys who were in those classes uh, aren't here anymore. So, you know, when you have the combination of those two things, you, you see what you have with Rutgers now, which is, you know, they really lack skilled players. And I think that's, that's really the most surprising thing to me. You know, Rutgers is always a trouble finding a quarterback, maybe never had those big offensive and defensive linemen, but they put a lot of, you know, they put a lot of receivers and a lot of, I mean, Ray Rice, Brian Leonard, put, they put skilled guys into the NFL, uh, and right now they're just, they're just lacking that talent level, and, and it shows. Well, does this fan base have the patience it's going to take to give Chris Ash that time to get this program back on the tracks? Uh, I, that's a great question. I think there is already some impatience because, you know, uh, the, the fan base is sort of divided. There, there is a, the, the group that had been here when the team was 1-10, and 10 and it, was, it was bad forever, and it looked completely hopeless. Uh, and certainly so they understand how long it takes. But there are a lot of fans who who, who jumped on this team and this bandwagon when it was going to bowls every year. I mean, remember this was a – they had a long streak where Rutgers 
despite its reputation, was every year was in some kind of postseason game. Uh, and I think there are fans now who are, you know, from that generation who are looking at it and say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, what happened to the good times? So uh, I think uh, Chris Ash is going to need that patience, though, and, and, those, and those new fans are either going to have to kind of suck it up or, or they're going to be uh, – they could be very disappointed. Yeah, and as you mentioned, recruiting is, of course, uh, what needs to improve. That is the lifeblood of every program. I've read, though, there's some uh, some concern in the fan base that Coach Ash, who comes in, comes from Ohio State right now or recently, has no New Jersey ties. And that is such a talent-rich state in high school football. Uh, job number one, he has to start keeping some of that uh, in-state talent at home, doesn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, that was a concern when he was hired, but I, I, I will tell you that, you know, I think he's done better keeping the, the, the top local players here than anyone could have imagined in his first year. I think the recruiting class he's got coming in uh, is very good uh, and could be better if he, you know, if he could get a couple more or a couple more top guys. And of course, if he holds it together, as we know, it's 2016 and, mm-hmm. you know, commitments are part of the game now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's done a, he's done a better job than, I think a lot of people would have expected in his first year in doing that and, and getting some of the top, uh, the top New Jersey players to buy in. Now, has he gotten that, you know, five star that Jabril Peppers, that guy that, you know, everyone in the world wants? He, no, he hasn't done that yet. But, uh, but still, uh, I think, you know, as far as building a foundation, if this recruiting class sticks together and if he can add a few more pieces to it, it'll be a really good start. Well, two years ago, Michigan visited Rutgers, Steve. It was a night game, a, a huge victory for uh, the Scarlet Knights. Great atmosphere that night at the stadium. We, as Michigan mm-hmm. fans, remember them rushing the field uh, after the uh, the victory for Rutgers. What has happened to the program in those two years that has led to this drop-off? And I know that might be a tough question to answer, but... How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> that might be a show in itself. Uh, but uh, in- yeah, a lot of things happened. Certainly that year... You know, it, it, it really was. You could look at it now almost as an anomaly. They, you know, did win eight games despite uh, getting blown out by by most of the top teams uh, in uh, in the Big Ten at that point. Uh, I, you know, last year was just a disaster on so many fronts. Uh, Kyle Flood had an ac- had academic uh, improprieties that 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 haunted him. He had several players who were arrested and kicked off the team. Uh, the, 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 the the team itself lack discipline on the field, lack coaching, lack fundamentals, went four and eight. Uh, and then really, you know, the biggest thing, as we talked about already, was, you know, uh, that Flood really had not recruited up to the level he needed to, 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 to have a sustainable program. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that victory is probably the high point of his career in, in Piscataway because it did show you, like, all right, here we are. We're on national TV. The place is packed. We're playing Michigan, and nobody cared that Michigan wasn't a good Michigan team. They were playing <laughs> Michigan, uh, and they pulled out the victory. Fans stormed the field. It really was a uh, a good feeling of you know what was going on there. But uh, as you can, as obviously we've seen since, the two programs have gone in complete opposite directions. Well, this Rutgers team is off to a two and three start. I got to see bits and pieces of the Iowa game a couple of weeks ago. Thought they played well, put up just under 400 yards in that game of offense. And of course, we know what happened last week in Columbus. But what were the expectations from a win-loss perspective, realistically, for this team when the season started, Steve? I put it at four. I thought that was about where it would be, and it still might be there. You know, there's a this is the reality of the fans who. You know, there's, there's a lot of clamoring now to change quarterbacks. Chris mm-hmm. Laviano has been bad, and most of his not he's not a good he's not just not a good quarterback, but he's the best one in the program. And I think that the coaching staff sees that and realizes, well, 
look, we're not going to beat, we're not going to beat Ohio State or Michigan with anybody. But if we can hang in there, if we can keep, you know, at least, at least build some fundamentals, at least keep a little bit of confidence. Well, all right, then you play Illinois and you play Indiana, and now you look at, you know, Penn State isn't that good. You look at, you know, even Michigan State's not that good. So I mean, there are some games left in the schedule. Like, okay, well maybe, you know, we, if we get through these two, okay, well we've got a chance to to at least get a couple more W's. And I think that that, you know, right now, had they beaten Iowa. I thought they would have had an outside chance of getting to the six wins of the Bulls bowl game. I don't think that's possible now, but you know, this is still, this is still a team that could win four or five games. Well, I know I've read that there's uh, some unrest in the fan base with uh, quarterback, uh, Chris Laviano. And you mentioned he's simply the best option for this team right now. Do you think there's uh, any chance down the road where you get, you know, six, seven games into the season, uh, uh, Coach Ash might say, hey, we're going to try someone else. Uh, I think there is, uh, you know, they're already trying to work him in. The kid, they, they, they got out of Tennessee named Tylen Odin, who is, you know, what what they're looking for. They're, they're switching from the pro-style offense to, to the, you know, more of a power spread system, and they want a quarterback who can run, and Odin can do that. The problem is he can't throw. <laughs> so, we're, you know, it's at the point now where they, they have a guy who, as a true freshman, is, is not comfortable in the passing game, and they finally let him against Ohio State throw a couple of passes, and we saw why. He just didn't look like he didn't have the fundamentals uh, pass was barely overthrown. Looked shaky in the pocket. Took a couple sacks, indecisive. So, I man, that's not going to work for for what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, and it's just it's amazing though. We've talked about this now. We're doing we're doing a big story on it. Just how they got to this point where you know you have eight quarterbacks in on your roster, and, and none of them are good enough. It's just it's sort of amazing a level of recruiting failure that you know that 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 could happen to a Big Ten team. But it's sort of where they're at. Well, it is what it is, and I know the offense has uh, struggled for you know the better part of this year through the first five. Uh, can you give us still your thoughts on, on what some of the uh, issues are, if they're fixable at this point, or if Coach Ash is able to improve that offense? And, and who are some of the key players we can watch for on Saturday night when Rutgers has the ball, Steve? Sure. Some, some of the problems are not fixable. Uh, you know, they don't, Again, they don't have the, the level of skilled players. Like when they had Le- Leonte Crew last year, he solved a lot of problems himself. Uh, their best receiver, Janarian Grant, out for the season with a broken leg. That certainly didn't help. Uh, now they have you know, one of their best baseball players. Ironically, he's also their second-best receiver, Kedinger Juan Harris. You'll see a lot. He, he was the only Rutgers player to catch a pass against Ohio State. That tells you where we're at. Uh, Robert Martin uh, is a very good running back, and I, I think you know, we're at the point now where you're going to see you're going to see Rutgers really try to establish that run in any way they possibly can to get him involved for as many carries. And I think the better, you know, this team will do better if he can get into that 25 carry range. I don't know if that's possible against a defense as good as Michigan, but certainly they're going to try. Uh, but those are really the big guys on offense. And again, it does come down to, you know, is Laviano going to have a good game? Can he find open receivers? Will he have time to throw? Uh, he also runs a little bit too. But, uh, you know, again, right now, the problem they have with him is uh, inaccuracy and, and poor decision making, which has really been a problem for uh, the first four games. Is he a different kind of a player at home, though, Steve? Uh, you know, a little bit, but he's had his he's had his share of problems at home as well. Uh, you know, and that's and that's been an issue. It's just uh, you know the, the turnovers, which even when he gets that when he gets that uh, solved, which he did against Ohio State, then it's all right. Then finding the open man. And now he had against Ohio State. I mean, it's impossible. You lose fifty-eight nothing. You can't. You can't really say. Well, gee, just a couple of plays here and there. But <laughs> there were a couple of plays early on where he had. You know, again, he he had open receiver guy drop the ball, which would have been a nice thirty-yard gain. He's not getting help from anybody else either. So uh, that's part of the problem. 
uh, yeah, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot going on right now <laughs> in a positive way. Well, over on the defensive side, that unit returned seven starters from last year's team, and they've just been on the field way too much this year because of the yeah. offensive struggles. Yeah. Uh, tell us uh, about that unit, the defense, Steve, and some of uh, their key players. Well, I think everybody agrees that the defensive line is the strength of the team. And you've got uh, Barry Hamilton, who was a five-star recruit out of high school that, you know, was recruited really at the end of uh, Greg Shiano's tenure and stuck with it. Uh, you know, he's a big defensive lineman. Uh, the guy next to him, uh, Julian Penix Onyx, is, is also the same uh, <clears throat> is also the same kind of mold, you know, a big physical defensive lineman. Um, you know, they have a little problem at linebacker. They don't have uh, maybe the depth of talent there. Uh, but they're decent on the back end, not great, but decent. Uh, Anthony Chaffee is a, is a kid who, you know, while he, he's not the you know, the best cover guy, he always seems to have one of those quote-unquote nose for the ball. He's uh, had an interception against Ohio State, always seems to be around the ball when there's a chance to, to make a play, which is something that clearly the defense needs. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this is Chris Ash's baby. He's, you know, a defensive coordinator, from obviously, from his days at Ohio State. He's trying to teach fundamentals. He wants to play a pressing system. He wants to improve tackling. Uh, I think we saw that. We saw a little bit of that against Iowa when this team was put in some bad, bad positions, got some pressure on the quarterback, made some, you know, got some sacks, made some, you know, made some great plays in that game. You know, obviously they have trouble covering uh, guys with speed. Uh, and if, you know, I mean, that's going to be the situation again, I think, as it was against Ohio State with Michigan, that they just have trouble lining up and you know, covering all the weapons that a good a good team has. Well, with the makeup of this team right now, Steve, heading into Saturday night, after what we saw against Ohio State on Saturday, does this team have the kind of mental makeup that's capable of rebounding and, and making a game of it with Michigan on Saturday night? I, I, I'm not worried about the mental makeup. I think this team has been pretty tough. It, it's played, even in like the first game of the season, it was a, a, you know, they were down 48-3 against Washington, and you know the effort. The effort was there certainly uh, in the second half, and, and you know I think I think the team believes in what the coaching staff is is, is preaching. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. It's just again, it's just a, whether or not they have the talent to to match up. And, and I didn't get to get any chance to watch all of that game against Wisconsin, uh, but certainly seeing you know how good that defense looked, uh, at least for the little bit I watched, uh, you know it's clear to me I'm going to be in the same situation that it might be. Even if it's a fourteen nothing in the first half, well, fourteen might be fourteen probably going to be enough. You know, I don't know. I don't know if this Rutgers team is going to score a lot of points uh, against a defense like that. So, you know, I, I, that's that's the concern right now. That even if it looks close in the scoreboard, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that the that this the way this offense is right now, they're going to have a, a lot of chances to uh, to uh, to match up a team like uh, Michigan. Well, Rutgers has made four straight bowl appearances, has gone bowling nine of the last ten years. It looks like things will have to improve dramatically in the coming weeks if uh, they're going to get bowl eligible, Steve. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's no question that that's going to be it's going to be a big issue. Um, you know, again, like the, I said, the Iowa game was big, but uh, you see a lot of. I mean, they do have again, they have winnable games. Illinois is not certainly a team they can beat. Indiana. They traveled to Minnesota, which, uh, you know, they might be double-digit underdogs there, but it certainly wouldn't be impossible to win. Uh, right now, though, it, it certainly looks like this is going to be a season where everyone's going to have to say, okay, we have a new coaching staff. They've got a lot of work to do. 
and uh, the bowl thing is uh, is for another day. Well, it was a great atmosphere uh, in the stadium when uh, we were there two years ago, uh, and uh, of course, Rutgers won that game. Are we going to see uh, another huge turnout, sellout on Saturday night? I, I think so, absolutely. I think this is the game that a lot of people have circled as the one to go to. There's a It's a night game, which is a, a welcome break for the fan base, which has been dealing with you know noon starts and getting your tailgates set up at 7 a.m., which, which is never, <laughs> never a fun time. So this will be, this will be a much rowdier crowd, I think. There's, a, there's something called the uh, – uh, they're going for the red and black stripe look. They're trying to stripe the crowd to give it, make it look good on TV. I don't know how that's going to work with, uh, with some uh, you know, blue and pink, with, with the blue sprinkled in it from you guys. But, um, you know, that, that's, sort of what, that's sort of what they're looking to, to, to do. And I, I think there, there's also a lot of uh, – you know, Jim Harbaugh has certainly not made himself a very popular figure mm-hmm. in the Rutgers fan base <laughs> based on coming in here and setting up camp at Paramus Catholic and, and doing, uh, doing his Harbaugh thing. So uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people who would love to see, uh, you know, see a close game or see him humbled a little bit here. And while it's not going to happen this year, certainly uh, I'm, I'm guessing that if there's one game this year where the Rutgers fan base is in its seats early and loud and, you know, typical Jersey uh, Jersey edge to it. It's going to be this one. Well, there you go. Michigan's first road trip of the year. Rutgers needs to rebound from uh, last Saturday's performance in Columbus. Kickoff at 7 p.m. It's going to be televised on ESPN2. My guest today on our visitor segment has been Steve Politi, who covers Rutgers football for NewJersey.com and Star Ledger. Thanks for taking uh, the time to join us, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Anytime. An injury update and some game day notes are next here on Quick Hits on the Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today, Grant Newsom is done for the season as we already know, but other than that, we are in pretty good shape injury-wise for Saturday. There are the usual mid-season bumps and bruises, but nothing serious aside from Grant's injury. Keep an eye on that left tackle spot, though. Jim said Juwan Bushel-Beatty will get the nod on Saturday, and he could be a bit nervous. Uh, Juwan is a Paramus Catholic guy and will be playing back in his home state for the first time in his career. It will be a homecoming of sorts uh, for several of the Jersey boys on Michigan's roster, including Jabril Peppers, another Paramus Catholic alum. Here are some game day notes. Rutgers is 2-3 and and coming off a complete dismantling down in the shoe last week. Chris Ash is in his first year as head man. Michigan bested Rutgers last year in the big house, 40-16. That game was on November 7th. The all-time series is even at 1-1. Last year, they were 4-8 and eight overall, 1-7 and seven in the Big Ten, good for 6th in the East. They returned 7 starters on both offense and defense. Their last bowl appearance was in the 2014 Quick Lane Bowl, where they beat North Carolina 40-21. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it still looks good for a 7 p.m. start time on Saturday. The game can be seen on ESPN2. If Matthew changes course, we might have an earlier kickoff. No way of telling as of Thursday morning. Uh, when we're taping this show. 
Our free show apps are available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. And if you love iHeartRadio, you can hear us there now. Time is running out for those of you who would like to get in early on the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about. It hits the Google and iTunes Play stores in just a few weeks. But for the next few days, you can still sign up and check out the app free. The name of the app is Top Secret, but in just a few weeks, it will be all the rage in the gaming world. It is the only app of its kind. For a sneak peek or more information, email playatfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playatfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget your cell number. It's not only free and fun, but you can also win prizes of all kinds. So check it out in the next few days and sign up. That will do it for our visitors edition of the show. I'll be back next Tuesday during the bye week with a midterm look at this team, and we might even have a Michigan man extra for you later in the week. If that's the case, I will let you know on Facebook or Twitter. For those of us who are season ticket holders, it's sort of been an exhausting five weeks of making the trip to uh, Ann Arbor on Saturdays. Now we get to sit back and watch the first road game for Michigan this season. It looks like a game we should win easily, but you never know. That's, uh, of course, why they play the games. So enjoy Saturday's game against Rutgers. Hopefully the weatherman and Hurricane Matthew cooperate and we get to see a 7 p.m. kickoff time. So we'll see you right back here next week. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!